Well, good morning and welcome once again to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. It is great to have all of you here. Uh, it is great to be back with you after a couple of weeks off. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a message from the other, other Aaron, Aaron Walling. And uh, last week was our family worship, so Brother Glenn brought the message. So it is great to be back with you. And I'd be remiss, before we get started, if I didn't note a couple uh, of our very special guests that we have with us this morning. Uh, We have Eli, Ellie, and Amelia Wagner with us all the way from Tennessee. And it is great to have them back in the house this morning. Um, They were a big part of the youth group back when I was running the youth group here. And it is just great to have them back here with us. And of course, we have Brandon and Kara Pierce back with us this morning with their two little ones as well. So it's great to see them this morning. So this morning, we are going to go ahead and jump into a new, uh, this was originally intended to be a kind of one-off sermon. Uh, I really was, was thinking about the story of Jonah, and I was thinking about some of the cool things about this story. And, and this was designed to be just a one-off, one-week sermon. And the more and more I got into the story of Jonah, the more I realized there is just way too much good stuff to make that a one-week sermon. So we're going to spend a couple of weeks unpacking some of the cool things about the story of Jonah. And the way this came about is I'm actually working on an upcoming series called Fearless, and I was going to use the story of Jonah as kind of a fearful moment to then use the other end of the spectrum and talk about fear less. But as the more I got into the story of Jonah, I've never actually preached on Jonah before, but the more I got into the story of Jonah, the more good stuff I just kept coming across. So the options were either to break this into three or four or have one really long sermon, about 45, 60 minutes long. So I think we can all agree we're going to cut this into two or three sermons instead because nobody wants to hear me talk for that long today, including me. So... Let's dive in, pun intended, to the story of Jonah. Now, this is another one of those stories that a lot of you are going to say, I already know this story. This is a children's story. I've known this story my whole life. And that's fantastic. However, today, what we want to do is take a deep dive into this story and really look at the things that we can learn from the story. And I'm just going to say up front, I think sometimes Jonah gets a bad rap But we're going to talk about that more as we unpack this story a little bit further on. So if you want to turn in your Bibles with me, of course, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 1. And in Jonah chapter 1, we're going, to, we're going to go ahead and tackle the first 17 verses of this here this morning, and then we'll pick up where we leave off here next week. But I titled this sermon, Running from God. And we know that that's exactly what Jonah did. But there is so much more to this story than just Jonah running from God. So let's jump in. Verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. It says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So here we kind of see the charge that was given to Jonah. We see that he received this important word from God. And what we're going to look at today is what he kind of does with this charge that he's been given and what he does with these instructions that he's been given. But I want to back up just a little bit and let's talk a little bit about that name, Jonah. As we know, most of the names in the Bible had a very significant meaning behind them. And Jonah actually means a dove. Now, most of you know the story of Jonah. And as we're going through this today, I want you to think back to this whole concept of a dove or of a bird. And that's where we get this term, right? Flight or fight syndrome. And that's when when trouble occurs, when danger occurs, we do one of two things, right? We either lean into it and meet it head on or we fly away. 
which is what made me really find this concept of Jonah and what his name means to be interested. He's often known as the reluctant prophet. And then I put the son of truth, and that may throw you for a loop, but his dad's name means truth. So in our story, we're going to talk about the son of truth running from the truth of God. And I think you're going to find this very interesting as we go along. So here's my question for you this morning. Here's what I want you to kind of think about as we go through our lesson this morning. What is it that you are or have been, or at some point in the past maybe, when were you running from God instead of running to God? I want you to think about that this morning as we start to unpack this, as we start to look at this story of Jonah. Because, see, it's easy to point the fingers at Jonah and say, well, Jonah didn't do what he was told. Well, Jonah ran away from God. But I bet if we think really hard, we can think of a time in our lives where we ran away from God. And that's exactly what the story of Jonah is going to teach us here this morning. So let me give you a little bit of a context. Who were these Assyrians? Who were these people that God told Jonah to go and mission to, to go and preach the gospel to, to go and preach to? See, these were enemies of Israel. And we could probably stop right there. And you start to get a little bit of understanding why Jonah didn't want to go do what God had asked him to do. He doesn't want to go there because these are the enemies. God basically said, look, go preach to your enemies, your biggest enemy, your biggest rival." So you start to get a little bit into the head of Jonah and what he may be thinking. Now, these were barbarians. Now, I, I did, some, did a little bit of research on the Assyrians, and, and they, were, they were pretty hardcore. <laughs> these guys were barbarians. What they would do is they would go into a city, they would go into the city, and they would basically wipe out the city. And in the, in the entrance to the city, they would build a pyramid of the heads of the people they had just conquered. Now, I know that's a little bit graphic. But I'm trying to give you an idea of what the Assyrians were all about and what their mindset was, and maybe a little insight into why Jonah might have been just a little bit skeptical about this calling or this mission that God was sending him on. See, sometimes we're called to serve our enemies. And we see examples of that over and over and over again in the Bible. How easy would it be if our only calling was to go talk to people that already knew about Jesus? That'd be pretty easy, wouldn't it? People that agree with us? We'd probably be a lot more apt to do it, right? It'd be easy to go around this auditorium this morning and tell each other about Jesus. But see, sometimes he gives us difficult callings. He gives us hard callings. He asks us to help people who we may not want to help. And that's exactly the charge that was given to Jonah. Jonah's being asked to help people that he does not want to help. And see, the story of Jonah is a story of delay. And delay to God is the same as disobedience. Flip over with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 26, 41. Matthew chapter 26, 41, and this is, of course, Jesus coming towards the end of his time. And this is Jesus speaking. It says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. See, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I think this, this verse is very apropos, not only for Jonah, but for you and I. Because, see, sometimes we know what we're supposed to do. We know what God is calling us to do. We know what the right thing to do is, but we don't do it. And we don't do those things for a myriad of reasons. Either because we're afraid to, either because we don't want to, either because we're too busy to. See, sometimes the spirit is willing, but it's the flesh that is weak. 
And we saw a perfect example of that in this verse. And if you follow this story just a little bit farther, Jesus in the garden, he asked the, the disciples to watch and pray, and they all went to sleep. It wasn't because they didn't want to. It's because the flesh was weak. Let's jump back into Jonah. Verse 3 says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. It says, After paying the fare, he went aboard, and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, there's something really key in this verse that I don't want you to miss. And, and maybe you already know this, and maybe you don't. God sent Jonah to Nineveh. If you look at the map, Nineveh is about 500 miles away from where Jonah was. Would you like to take a guess how far Tarshish was from where Jonah was? 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Now, 2,500 miles is a lot of miles. Whether you're talking today where we have cars and trains and buses and Ubers, we're not talking about that. We're talking about back in Jonah's day. He went 2,500 miles in the wrong direction to avoid what God had called him to do. Brothers and sisters, we do this, don't we? We do this. We go out of our way to not have to do the things that we want to do. We go across the street to avoid that person that we don't want to talk to. We take the long way around because we don't want to talk to that one coworker, right? Even though maybe that coworker is the one we need to talk to. Jonah went a long way out of his way to oppose the will of God. It wasn't just a few miles. It wasn't like he went someplace closer. He went five times farther in the opposite direction. Five times farther. And he got on a boat. Now, I love this. I, I love this, this thinking about this as he got onto a boat. Because guess what, brothers and sisters? There's always going to be a boat going in the wrong direction that you can hop on. There's always going to be one. You had two choices this morning, right? I can either go to church or there's that other boat, right, that I could get on where I'm going to go play golf or I'm going to go to the beach or I'm going to go out to brunch. There's always going to be a boat going in the wrong direction. You have to choose whether to get on that boat or not. Jonah chose to get on the boat. He got on the boat knowing it's going in the wrong direction. It says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break apart. It says all of the sailors were afraid. It says, and each cried out to his own God. Catch this, his own God, not our capital G God, his own God. It says, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Now don't miss this. They threw the cargo into the sea because they were afraid. This, the job of these men were to take this cargo from point A to point B. That's how they would have made money. That's how they would have gotten paid. And they were so afraid that they started throwing. They basically took their money and just tossed it overboard. They're trying to lighten the ship. Now, for those of you who may not be aware, maybe you've never sailed before. Maybe you've never been on a sailboat. But, but weight has a lot to do with the equation. Wind, weight, power. It's an equation. They started taking the cargo and throwing it over the side of the ship. It said, but Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. This reminds me of another story from the New Testament, where Jesus was sleeping during the storm. Everybody else is freaking out. They're freaking out to the point that they're throwing the cargo over the side of the ship, and Jonah goes downstairs and, I think I'll take a nap. 
Now, do y'all know people like that? I know people like that. My wife is people like that. She can sleep through anything, right? She can fall asleep at the, at the blink of an eye. I'm not one of those people. And if the ship was tossing and turning, I promise you I wouldn't be asleep. But Jonah goes down and goes to sleep. We move ahead to verse 6, and it says, The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. It says maybe he will take notice of that so that we will not perish. Now, interesting that the captain goes to Jonah, who's asleep. Everybody else is busy running around and freaking out and yelling and screaming and calling out to their gods and throwing stuff overboard. And the captain goes to Jonah and says, hey, what are you doing? See, sometimes we need a storm in our lives to wake us up. Sometimes we need a storm in our lives to wake us up. Now, I'm not saying that God is always responsible for the bad things that happen in our lives. But sometimes that's what it takes to wake us up. You know one of the times that the churches were the most full? Right after September 11th. Because, see, that storm woke people up. That storm reminded people where they needed to be. And sadly, that's what it takes sometimes. It takes a tragedy in our lives to send us back to God. Because we get complacent. And we tend to forget how much we need God. And just like Jonah, we let the storms rage around us and we are just oblivious to what's going on. But sometimes that storm is exactly what we need to wake us up and to point us back in the right direction. Verse 7 says, Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots. And the lot fell on Jonah. Now, I'm going to guess that there's a little more going on here than just dumb luck. But they cast lots, or they rolled dice, or or however they came, uh, came about this decision, and decided that Jonah was the problem. Now, I'm not saying God made it came out that way. But I'm not saying that he didn't. Because they cast lots and figured out that, hey, we're not the problem. The guy down there sleeping is the problem. So so they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? See, Jonah was kind of the outsider. Jonah was the the passenger, so to speak, and these guys were the crew, and they knew each other. But they didn't know Jonah. And they start asking him questions. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? And Jonah has a decision to make. Now, we get asked this question all the time, right? These are very common questions that we get, especially when we meet people for the first time. When we meet people for the first time, oh, hi, what's your name? And what do you do? Those are like the two most common questions that we ever get. Sometimes maybe it is, where are you from as well? But these are very common questions. But they're trying to get a little more information on this guy that's sleeping because he is the odd man out. He is the one that, quote unquote, doesn't belong. So they ask him, hey, who exactly are you? And here's how Jonah answers. He answers and he says, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So up to this point, right, Jonah's kind of sort of dropped the ball. Maybe even more than kind of sort of. 
but he's on a boat heading 25 miles in the wrong direction. And he had a decision to make. Jonah could have just said, uh, my name is uh, Jason, and I'm from uh, California. But he didn't. He owned up to who he really was. This is kind of his first moment of clarity. See, this storm had woken Jonah up to who he really was. And that leads us to the question of, what does our name mean? What does your name mean? And by your name, I don't mean Victoria. I don't mean Beth. I don't mean Tim. I'm saying your name as a Christian. How do we answer that question when somebody says, who are you? Do we answer in the way of the rest of the world sees us? Or do we answer in the way that God sees us? Do we answer in the way that God sees us? Do we say, I'm a Christian? Or do we say, I'm an accountant, I'm a doctor, I'm a firefighter? How do we see ourselves? Do we see ourselves the way the world sees us? Or do we see ourselves the way that God sees us? And see, that's the first part that Jonah's gotten right in this story. Now, we know that before this, Jonah must have got some things right because God wouldn't have given him this big job if he didn't. So Jonah's not all bad. Let's not get all over Jonah just yet. But he answered the question correctly. He basically said, I'm a child of God. And see, that's a key for us. When we look at this idea of running to God or running away from God, it starts with us seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. Because when we see ourselves the way that God sees us, we see his plan, we see his potential for our lives, we see his calling on our lives. But we've got to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Verse 10 says, this terrified them, and they asked, well, what have you done? It terrified them when he said, well, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a child of God. You know, the one that makes this storm that you're seeing? And all of a sudden, the light bulb is clicking, right? For the sailors, they're like, oh, what have we gotten ourselves into here? Why did we let this guy on the boat? It says, what have you done? They knew that he was running away from Lord because he'd already said, he'd already told them so. So now they have a decision to make, right? They have a decision to make. What are we going to do with this guy who is bringing us all of these troubles? They have a decision to make. What are they going to do? This clicker's going crazy. Uh, verse 11 says, The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? So now they're kind of throwing it back on Jonah. They're basically throwing it back on Jonah and saying, Hey, what do we do here? Because we know it's you. We know it's you. We're going through this storm because of you. You guys ever have those people in your lives that are bringing storms into your lives? Maybe you're a Jonah, or guess what? I guarantee you got at least one Jonah in your phone. You got at least one person that you have a relationship with that you talk to who is bringing you down, who is leading you in the wrong direction, who's trying to get you to get on that boat that's going 2,500 miles in the wrong direction. The question is, what do we do with those people? In this case, what do they do with Jonah? 
Verse 12 says, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So this is the second thing, right, that Jonah kind of gets right. He starts to take responsibility for his actions. He says, I'm the reason. It's my fault. He didn't try and pass the buck. He didn't sit there and go, I have no idea why all this is happening. He said, hey, this is on me. The Bible teaches us over and over and over again about being humble and showing humility. And Jonah shows humility. And he says, look, it's my fault. See, Jonah was running because he was fearful for his life. And it's easy to sit here and say, ah, Jonah didn't do what God told him to. He's a big wimp. But, but think about the context that I gave you earlier. He was running out of fear for his life. So he gets on this boat. But guess what? You can't run away from God. God found him in the middle of the sea. He tried to run away from God. We can't do that. Why can't we do that? Because God is everywhere. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. You can't run from God. Jonah was a prophet. He thought he could run from God. He says, hey, just toss me overboard. It says, instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not. For the sea grew even wilder than before. So even though Jonah had said, hey, just kick me out of the boat. Just throw me over the side. They weren't quite ready to do that yet. See, just like how you and I don't delete that number from our phone, we don't cut that person, that toxic person out of our lives, they said, "Ah, maybe we don't kill him. Because really that's what it comes down to, right? If they throw him overboard, that's the end of Jonah. So they did what they could, and they started rowing back to shore. Verse 14 says, Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. So now they're starting to get it. They're like, hey, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to, just like we threw the cargo over the side, we got to throw Jonah over the side, or we're all going to die. And they're starting to deal with the ramifications of that. And they're saying, please, Lord, Take mercy on us for what we're about to do. Take mercy on us for basically killing this man. It says, then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. So they throw Jonah out of the boat. Because he was the one causing all the problems. They basically took out their cell phones and they deleted Jonah from their cell phones. Right? That's how that would go down today, right? We would delete them or block them, right? Unfriend them, right? That's how we do things today. It's like a major insult if somebody unfriends you or unfollows you. Well, they they unfollowed Jonah, all right, right over the side of the ship. And the sea immediately grew calm. See, there's a lesson in there for us that when you get rid of those people that are bringing the storms into your life, your life becomes calm. When you get rid of those people who are trying to get you to get on the wrong boat, you can find calm and peace in your life. Verse 16 says, At this, the the men greatly feared the Lord, 
and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. See, like he often does, God uses this as a learning experience. He, he uses this as a learning experience to bring other people to him, to help other people believe in him. Because immediately, when Jonah went over the side of the ship, the sea grew calm. And all of these sailors went, oh, I guess that is the one true and living God. That very same God that you and I worship today made the sea calm. And of course, here's the part that we all know and love, or maybe you don't. It says, now, then the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And we're going we're gonna to talk more about this next week. But I find it interesting that God sent a fish to swallow up Jonah. This is God. He could have sent anything that he wanted. He could have sent a boat. He could have sent something much more pleasant than being inside the belly of a fish. So I'm just going to say it right now. I think fish smell bad on the outside. I can only imagine how they smell on the inside. But at the end of the day, it wasn't pleasant. However you look at it, it wasn't pleasant. God didn't send a rowboat. God didn't send a life preserver. He sent a fish that swallowed Jonah up. See, sometimes God bails us out, right? But it's not the way we hoped. It's not the way we wanted. It wasn't the most convenient way for us. But even though Jonah went 2,500 miles in the wrong direction, God still provided a way. Again, it may not have been the way Jonah would have liked it to be, but he provided a way. And that's something that we're going to look at as we continue in this kind of mini-series on Jonah. But here's just a few of the lessons that we learned from today. It's easier to run to God than to run away from God. If Jonah would have just went to Nineveh, he could have saved everything that we just talked about. He could have saved being on this ship in the storm. He could have saved being thrown overboard. He could have saved being swallowed by a fish. But see, sometimes in our own minds, it's easier to run away from God when we know we should be running to God. But sometimes we're just like Jonah. We go five times the other direction. Our calling is for God's glory, not for our own. See, God had given Jonah a mission. And that mission wasn't for Jonah's glory. It wasn't for Jonah to have fame and fortune. It wasn't so that thousands of years later, you and I would be sitting here talking about Jonah in 2022. It's for God's glory. See, God had a mission. God calls us to do things. And it's not always things we want to do. We don't want to talk to that person. We don't want to help that person. But it's not about us. It's not about you and me. It's about giving all of the glory to God. We got to see ourselves the way that God sees us. We got to see ourselves as a child of God. We've got to see ourselves as redeemed, as forgiven, as Christians. And when we see ourselves the way that God sees us, and we understand that God sees even more in you and I than what you and I can see, we can go to Nineveh. And maybe you'll never be called to go to Nineveh. Maybe you'll never be called to go on a mission trip to another country. But 
you know what? We've got our own mission field right here in Mission Viejo. We've got our own mission fields in our homes, in our workplaces, on our sports teams. Maybe your Nineveh is right in front of you and you just haven't seen it. So here's three things that we can apply to our own lives. And that's intimacy with God. And when I say intimacy with God, I'm talking about having a relationship with the Creator. Are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time in meditation? Are you listening to God? Are you taking the time to be intentional about slowing down and listening for what God is trying to say to you? And no, God doesn't always answer us in a big booming voice and say, Yes, David, this is what I'd like you to do today. It'd be pretty nice if he did, wouldn't it? Life would be so much easier. You just text God, Hey, what did you have in mind today? Oh, okay. That's why sometimes we have to slow down We have to block out the distractions in our lives and we have to listen for where God is sending us or what God is telling us to do. Where is our Nineveh? Bible application. We got to apply the scriptures to our daily lives. Knowing the Bible, super important. You know the Bible, great. But what are you doing with it? It's not just a book that we pull out each day. Okay, I'm going to read a chapter today. And then we close the book and we put it back on the shelf. If we're not learning from it, if we're not applying it to each and every day of our lives, then we're missing the point. We're missing the point. It's a user manual. It's not just literature. It's not just a story. It's something that we need to know and we need to apply each and every day so that we can try and walk closer to God. How can you be the person that God wants you to be if you have no idea what that is? And the way we find that is in the scriptures. And last but certainly not least is being a part of a community of believers. A community of believers. See, we here at Mission Viejo, we're a community. We're a family. And maybe you've not gotten plugged into this family just yet. Maybe you've been, you've been hanging around, but you haven't really dove in head first and gotten plugged in. I want to encourage you to do that. We're, launching, we're relaunching our small groups program. And, and as Bruce mentioned earlier, we're encouraging everybody to get involved in one of these small groups. And the reason for that is, is you can build a true community of believers. Because you know what? When we're called to do those tough things, it is so much easier to do when you have people on your side. When you have a team. When you have people that you're doing life with, you have people that can help you, that can pray with you, that can teach you. You can learn from their experiences. But if you're just somebody that kind of cruises in the back door, sits in the back row, and then cruises out and never builds that relationship, never builds that community, you're missing that support. You're missing that love that is so important. I want to encourage you to get plugged in to the church so that you have the support that you need in the good times. You celebrate together in the tough times. You pray together, but you have people on your side. Maybe you've never had an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. We were so excited last week when Bailey came forward and gave her life to Christ and was baptized. But maybe you've never had a chance to do that for yourself. This morning, the baptistry is full. It might even be warm. If that's not something that you've ever done, whatever is holding you back, don't let it hold you back anymore. 
We have clothes for you to change into. We have towels. We have a baptistry. There's no reason to leave here today without being baptized if that's something that's on your heart. Or maybe you just need help. Maybe you just need somebody to talk to, somebody to pray with you. In just a moment, I'm going to invite our elders to come down as we sing our final song. You can talk to one of them or find any one of us after services, and we're happy to talk with you. We're happy to pray with you. We're happy to help you in any way that we can because we want to be the community of believers that helps you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's no reason to leave here today and not do that. I want to invite you to stand and sing. I'm going to invite Skeeter to come back up. I'm also going to invite our elders to come down front. If we can help you in any way, please come forward as we stand together and as we sing. I stand, I stand in love with you.